Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you've downloaded the King's Cast, I want to welcome you. And I want to read Psalm 22 with you as we come on to the second part of this series, The Crucified Life. And Psalm 22 is, of course, the psalm that Jesus quotes from the cross. And there are plenty of details in it about the cross. Let's read a little of it. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I'm not silent. I wonder if that is the testimony of anybody here. Lord, why are you so far away from me, especially now? Lord, how come when things were going so well, I felt your presence and it was wonderful, but now, with the words of my groaning, you are so far away. Verse 6. I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him since he delights in him. Verse 11, Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Verse 14, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. All these things, prophesying, of course, what Messiah would suffer My strength, verse 15, is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare And gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Certainly part of this uh, psalm was quoted by the Lord Jesus. You know that. 
And of course, I'm not going to dare to try and uh, investigate the theology of how God can depart from God. So I'll leave that to the theologians over coffee. But certainly, it was the experience, and maybe even the reality, but certainly the experience of Christ that in the moment where he needed his father's nearness the most, it was not there. Not in his five senses. Not in his emotional state. He could not feel the presence of God. And you know, currently we are, in our Bible reading in this church, we are looking, we're going through some of the Psalms. And some of the Psalms, now please forgive me, I'm not wishing to be unkind or disrespectful, but I tell you the truth, some of the Psalms are very uplifting and some of them are pretty depressing. One Psalm begins, I delight greatly in the Lord. And the next Psalm begins, Oh, woe is me. I'm seconds from dying. It's a very strange hymn book indeed. And of course, we like to sing these. I was reading Psalm 88 uh, earlier this week, and one of the lines says this, Darkness is my only friend. You know what I thought? That's never been added to any Christian song we've ever sang, ever. Hello, darkness, my old friend. We've never sang that. But it's, it's, it's in the Psalms. And many of the Psalms, if we just be honest, are Psalms of lament. In other words, they are people who feel that God should have done things for them that he has not done. And the greatest thing of all, if you like, or the worst thing of all, is they feel that God has abandoned them just when they needed him the most. And I wonder if in your life and in your journal, in your diary, blog, either mental or actual, that's been your experience too. That there were times when you were under enormous blessing. Everywhere you went, you just felt the presence of God. I remember one time walking, I uh, used to work in a set of uh, caves many years ago. And I remember one time, I came out of a service and there had been all kinds of miracles one lady came in on sticks and all bandaged up and she finished by chasing me round the church there's two miracles there she ran and I ran <laughs> mind you if you'd seen her you'd have known why I ran and after that service was over I had to go from there and I had to go to work. Not to work, but to pick up pay. It's important, isn't it? Can you say amen? Yeah, it is. I worked for a company where they gave you your money in cash in little envelopes. Today we call that corruption, don't we? But then it was normal. So after this amazing service of 
signs and wonders. I'm talking about children suddenly all falling down in the Holy Spirit without anyone touching them. I mean, just extraordinary visitation of God. Then I had to leave there and I had to go to work just before 10 o'clock, before they shut, and go and get my pay. And as I walked in, I did not understand (coughs) why they could not feel the presence of Jesus all over me. I couldn't understand it. I walked in like a totally different person. Like I was in kind of a heavenly suit. And there they were selling key rings and lollipops and things. Sometimes you just feel the presence of God. And sometimes, wait for it now, you don't. And the question is this, what are we going to do when we don't? Let me put it another way. What are we going to do, what are we going to believe when we don't? I hadn't planned to say this, but let me take a minute to express something else. I found in my experience that some Christians are feely, feely people. They are feelers. They feel things. Oh, I felt that. Oh, did you feel that? Yeah, I felt that. Oh, did you feel it? I felt it more than you. No, I felt it more than you. Oh, did you feel that? Oh, I felt that. Woo! Get my sweat cloth. Oh, woo! And I want to say to you feelers out there that you completely baffle the non-feelers. They do not understand what you're talking about. And in fact, the non-feelers, they have a bad time, especially in Pentecostal churches where everyone's going, ooh, ooh, and feeling things because they're thinking, well, I don't, I don't feel nothing. How are you feeling when I feel ill? I feel a draft. I feel like joining a Baptist church. But I don't feel anything. And I want to say, if you are a non-feeler, it's okay. Just relax. Because you might have an advantage, actually, one day over the feelers. Because you walk by faith and not by sight. And the feelers, they feel, oh, I, I can feel it. I'm, I, now I'm ready to pray for the sick. I can, I can feel it. But if you don't feel nothing ever, then you're just going to operate by faith, right? I love it when I do these big healing meetings. People say, what are you feeling? I said, nothing. Did you feel that? No, not really. Sometimes I like pretend I do. Yeah, yeah, I I felt that. But I I don't really don't feel anything. I just feel like I've driven 200 miles to get here. That's normally what I feel like. Some people feel things, others don't. If you're not a feeler, it's okay. And by the way, God may not be wanting to turn you into a feeler all the days of your life. Isn't that good news? You're not sure. But you may not feel anything all the days of your life. And you're going to be a man and a woman of the word. And that might be a better place to be. So when we talk about God abandoning us in our moment of need, 
Do you know what we actually mean by that? We mean I don't feel anything anymore. There was a season when I used to get a prophecy every Sunday morning. And now I don't. But none of these things have anything to do with the reality of Christ living in your heart. Because when he came into your life, he came in without necessarily fire and wind. And he's going to stay there without fire and wind. Sometimes the Lord is not in the earthquake, not in the fire. Where is he? In the still, small voice. A few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, life flies by. I went to a special weekend. It was called an encounter weekend. And it was a weekend to encounter God. And I wanted to see what these encounter weekends were like. And can I tell you a secret? You promised not to tell anyone. I took with me a pen and paper and I was going to copy down the notes. And um, then I was going to come back and I was going to introduce Encounter Weekends to the church here. And I wasn't going to buy their book. I was going to write it down. Adopt, adapt, and improve. And uh, so I arrived and I, you know, I was up for having an encounter with God. That would have been okay. And it was about 50 quid to go. So I thought I probably deserve one. But, I, but my main thing was I was going to write down everything that went on. All the scriptures and things like this and teach it somewhere else. Preachers do this, you know. Why do you think preachers want the God channel? You think they want to be blessed? No, they want to write things down. Anyway. So the, so the weekend began. It's just outside London. And I, I was pretty disappointed, actually. Uh, I just thought, oh, no, this isn't really for me. And then we came to, I think it was a Saturday afternoon, like a four o'clock slot. Four o'clock is the worst time to do any kind of ministry because everyone's just thinking about, you know, tea and, or dinner or whatever. And this was the, we are now going to encounter God in this session. Session. And we had to come and we had to forgive people who we believe had rejected us and left us. I said, okay. So we're all sitting in the room. And if you want to kneel or lie on your face, you can do whatever you want. And first of all, you have to think of all the people who've rejected you, or at least you think they have, and forgive them. So I'm sitting there now. I've got a problem. I can't think of anyone. That's pretty good news, isn't it? That was 10 years ago. I got a whole list now. (laughs) Not all of them are sitting here today. But I have to come up with a whole lot of people who've rejected me, you know, left me, abandoned me. And I just can't think of anyone. And I think, well, you know, this was 50 quid to uh, think of somebody. And what was amazing was all around me, and these are, everyone who came was a man, by the way. 
And all the men start to behave, oh, perhaps I shouldn't have phrased it like this, but not like men. They start crying and wailing. One man throws himself down on the floor and he's, you know, broken because of all the people who've rejected him. And I'm sitting there like a big pudding, you know, and all these people are lamenting and moaning and groaning. (laughs) What's going on here? Let let me try to think of somebody who's offended me and get some sort of tear out. There wasn't nothing coming, I tell you. (laughs) And then, quite beyond my ability to control or to manufacture, came the, the presence of Christ. And I think that God spoke to me. And he must have because I was broken in a second. And God said to me, He said, there is someone who you think has abandoned you. There is someone who you think has rejected you and left you. He said, you think that, you think that I have done that to you. You think that I have forsaken you. And at that time, my life wasn't as happy as it had been. Things weren't so good. I felt pretty friendless. I felt I didn't have any money. I felt like things that had been successful in ministry weren't successful anymore. And God said to me, now, please understand, God was not apologizing to me. But he said to me, you think that I have forsaken you. Forget your list. Forget putting down a list of deacons' names. You think that I have forsaken you. And I was completely and utterly destroyed because I did think that. And in an instant, I was crying and wailing with all the other girly men. (laughs) Why are you so far from the words of my groaning? I looked for comforters, but found none. But it was just in my feelings. It was just in my... Just... It wasn't real. 
Because God said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he's going to come and be with you forever. The Spirit of God does not leave me on a bad day. The reason the Spirit of God is grieved is because he cannot leave. I wonder today if you've had such an experience or maybe now where you think, God, I used to, everything was great. I felt you. Things were good. Where are you now? When I was at school, we had a game, I believe it's quite Universal, quite international. <laughs> international, not universal. Universal means they play it on the planet Gallifrey. Uh, international. I believe it's called tag. You run around and you touch someone, they're it. Then you, they chase after you. They try and touch you. Now you're it. Now you chase after them. This is, it's a bit of a boring game, but I think it's played everywhere. I believe in a God who plays tag with us. God will come and touch you and then he'll go. It's a very, very common thing. You see, when Moses encountered the Lord, it was not in Mo Moses didn't have it in his diary. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Meet God. Okay, there it is. Off I go. But it was already in God's diary, right? God knew he was going to meet him. God knew he was going to touch him. So Moses was not looking for God. And God arrives and touches him. And God's presence stays with Moses for a long time. Long season. But it's Moses who then has to pray, Lord, I want your presence to go with us. It's Moses who later prays, I want to see your glory. Like the divine one touched him and then ran away. Why would he run away? So that Moses would seek him. Similar in Paul's life. Saul of Tarsus did not have Acts chapter 9 in his, uh, in his diary. But Acts chapter 9 arrives and Saul of Tarsus is knocked off his horse. Don't tell me the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Knocked off his horse. And he has an encounter with Christ that changes his life. And then the same Lord just seems to disappear, pull back. And it's Paul who later in Philippians writes this, I want to know Christ. So today, 
If you can say that other phrase that came from Jesus' lips on the cross, I thirst. I want to know you. Then actually you're in a good place. In my opinion, it's not always important to be full. That's pretty good though. But it's not always vital to be full. But it's always important to be hungry with God. And sometimes preachers preach people full when in fact it might be better to preach people hungry. That our testimony might be not, I have everything that I ever need to know about God, I've got it. But rather to say, there must be more than this. I am in pursuit of God. I must know him more. And I want to suggest to you today, this is part of God's plan and agenda. Somebody once wrote that God operates in seasons in our lives. Seasons of manifestation and hiddenness. If you like, times when he is, we are just so full of God. And other times where God seems to be so far away, he's hiding, if you like. He's hiding. And why would God hide so we go find him? Why would God hide so we would pursue him? Why would he make us thirsty so we would come to him and drink? I thirst, said the psalmist. And I thirst, said the Lord, that you might commit into his hands your life. I want you to know today that you can commit into thy hands your very life, even though you may feel that God is far from the words of your groaning. Let's be clear. Everybody suffers. Everybody can feel that God is away from them. But the crucified life is the life that says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. The crucified life says, even though I do not feel anything, I believe it. I may not believe it in here, but I believe what is written in here. Can you say amen? Maybe it's not quite in here, but I see it in here, in his word. Therefore it is true. That there's not a place I can go to quote another psalm. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? If I go to the heights, you are there. If I go to the depths, you are there. God has not abandoned you. Do not yield to the teaching of your feelings or even the instruction of your current experience. God won't leave you. Period. He'll never leave you. And the crucified life says this, I 
don't feel anything. I, things are going wrong. I was promised that God would be with me and I lost my job this week. I was promised that God would bless me. And now suddenly the car's gone wrong and the insurance is due and there's been a flood in the house and I found out my teenage son is smoking stuff. Yet into thy hands I commit my spirit because I believe the word that if God be for me, who can be against me? And he will make everything beautiful in its time. And God will work all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The crucified life does not rely upon a good experience. It relies upon our faith in the word. That Jesus is faithful. Well, praise God, there's a time when it is finished as well. And this work is completed in our lives. When God comes to test us, and he does, it is a test. It doesn't last forever. When God withdraws his presence from us, it doesn't last forever. He's going to come and touch us again if we pursue him. If we pursue him. All tests come to an end. Some of us say, well, I'm going through this hard time because God wants to teach me something. I want to say, well, have you learned it yet? Because as soon as you learn it, you're going to come out the other end. Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Absolutely. Not as my cynical friend would say, yes, it's a train coming in the other direction. But British Rail and British architecture has not once built a tunnel so long that it doesn't have an end. That's called a cave. You've got to come out. You may go through the valley, but you're going to come out. And the test will be over. And you'll come into a season of manifestation again. If you keep walking. I want to finish with just a thought concerning this this crucified life. I just want to finish with one one little thought. But as always with one little thought, it's broken into three other little thoughts. What are the things that were said to Jesus? We've talked about the things he said from the cross but what were the things said to him? You ever think about that? We read a little bit of it in Psalm 22. They shook their heads and said, Oh, who are you? If you are the Son of God, come down. And people said all kinds of things to him. I want to show you some of these. Three comments made to those who live the crucified life. The same things they said to Jesus on the cross, they'll say to you if you carry your cross. Let me explain. Number one, come down. Come down from the cross and save yourself. That's what they said to him. Oh, come on. Call for Elijah. Come down from the cross. If you are the son of God. If you are the blessed one, this is not a blessing, this cross. Come down from it. 
come down from the cross. If you live a dedicated Christian life, that's exactly what people will say to you. Oh, they won't say, come down from the cross, but they'll say this to you, don't take it so far. Don't be so serious about it. The world don't mind you being a little religious, but don't go crazy. You're getting a bit extreme. All this bit where you, you don't lie anymore. Don't you think that's a bit extreme? You're going out with him, but you're not in bed with him. Are you a bit, you know, woo? Come down from the cross. Come down here with us. Come down here with us. We're free down here. But there's nothing more free than being on the cross. And people will say that to you. Are you going to church again? Didn't you go last month? Some of you here, you've been in church for two days in a row. Are you nuts? It's a sunny day. What are we doing in here? What do you mean? You're giving everything up for Jesus. One young man here last night leading worship told us that he went and told his, his friends when he was a young guy, a teenage guy, I presume, that he was a Christian and they beat him up. He said he was physically kicked in, I think was his phrase. People will always tell you, come down from the cross, come down from the cross. Don't, take, don't go too far with this. 10%? Are you mad? Don't go too far. Like Pharaoh, you can go, but don't go too far. But hear the word of the Lord today. If anyone would come after me, let him pick up his cross and follow me. And there are none more free than those who are slaves of righteousness. Number two, they said, come down from the cross. Remember me was something else said to Jesus. Remember me was said to him by the dying thief. Now, when we read the Gospels together, we discover an interesting truth. We discover that the th at one time, certainly, both of those men the one on the left and the one on the right of Jesus railed against him. We learn that as we put the Gospels together. That first of all, certainly, both of those men cursed Jesus and were vile to him. And of course we have the Gospel of Luke that tells us that one of the men had a change of heart, was moved upon by the Spirit divine, no doubt, And he said, Lord, remember me. Do you know what? 
if we could be authentic. We're going to make our mistakes. We're going to have our sinful times. We're going to have our inadequacies. But if you can live an authentic Christian life, you are going to stand out. And some will despise you, but others will ask you for prayer. Some will reject you, but others will flock to you. I remember in that workplace I was talking about, maybe I've just been thinking about it all morning. When God began to show his power where I work by healing different members of staff. And just for a day, I'm not going to make it sound more than it was, but just for a day, the staff room became my medical clinic. And members of staff were coming to see me. Please pray for me about this. I couldn't believe it. The same people who thought maybe I was a bit of a lunatic. Actually, when push came to shove, said, oh, will you, will you remember me? So let's live out this life. Let's carry this cross. Because while some will despise those who carry the cross, there will be others who will say, I don't understand it, but I know that you have something that you can give to me. Remember me, say the cries of the needy. And finally, the centurion, as Jesus died, said this, truly, this man was the son of God. One day, we're all going to be gone. One day, I'll be dead. One day, we'll all be dead. One day, Ant and Deck will be dead. One day, everyone will be dead. Here's the question. What will we leave behind? Are we aspiring to leave behind wealth, bricks, mortar, a gold piece of jewelry? Well, these things may be be creditable, but the greatest thing you leave behind is your legacy. The greatest thing you can leave behind are souls, one for Jesus. The greatest thing you can leave behind are people who will have been transformed by your testimony and life. We've got to get out of this rather bizarre thing that only people who stand behind a pulpit are supposed to be teachers. We're all supposed to be teachers. Modeling the Christian life to one another. And with this I finish. Something that Sean said to me actually at the end of last week. As Jesus was picking up his cross and carrying it, and we highlighted it, the Romans grabbed another individual, Simon of Cyrene, and said, you carry it with him. You carry it with him. If Jesus needed help carrying his cross, then we all do. 
and carrying a cross is something for you, for your heart, for you in your personal and private life, but it's also something we're all going to do. Bearing one another's burdens, carrying the cross together. So let me encourage you at this Easter season, thinking about how the Lord gave his life for us. And we're going to do that on Friday, of course, 10.30 here. We're going to break some bread together. But at this Easter season, let me encourage you to take seriously again or re-examine again the idea that not only is he the crucified man, but we also are required to be that. Giving our life for others in forgiveness, in acceptance, in helping others when we ourselves feel like we need the help, in trusting God when we feel so far away from him that in fact he has not moved one inch. And in understanding that one day this great work of carrying the cross through our lives will be over. And in heaven we won't be carrying it, but just for now, there's a beam for all of our shoulders and all of our hands. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.